You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. You're listening to CLNS Media, powered by BetOnline.ag. Go to clnsmedia.com slash roll. Use our promo code CLNS50 for 50% off your first deposit. Welcome back to another episode of the Winning Plays Podcast with Brian Robb and Michael Pina. I'm Rich Levine. Guys, on today's show, we'll discuss Kemba Walker and Ennis Cantor's officially becoming Celtics. We'll talk about Danny, Ange- Danny Ainge's Plan A, plus a whole lot more from this crazy NBA summer. We'll ask you to subscribe on iTunes and anywhere else you might listen. Uh, give us a follow on our Twitter page. That's at WinningPlaysPod. Shout out to BetOnline.ag for being our best sponsor we've ever had. Uh, and Mike and B-Rob, I'm going to start today's show with a few trivia questions. Is that all right with you? Yes. I can't wait. Uh, varying degrees of difficulty. There are five. I don't know if I'm going to do all five. We'll see how it goes. Uh, first one, question number one. As you know, uh, Kemba and Kyrie Irving were both drafted in, in 2011. You guys are aware of that? Two, uh, yes. two of the 14 point guards Wait, to be drafted okay. that yeah. year. Uh, but other than Kemba and Kyrie, only one point guard drafted. One other point guard drafted in 2011 became an all-star. Who is that? Hmm. 2011. So 14 point guards uh, taken. Three of them became all-stars. One's so Kemba. One's Kyrie. Eight years ago. Who was re-signed to a deal this This The answer summer? is Isaiah Thomas. You're taking too long. We got to keep this. Thing <laughs> Isaiah Thomas, kind of interesting, right? Sure. Honestly, uh, ashamed I didn't get that, but continue. You didn't even have a guess. Uh, question two: More career points, Kemba no. or Kyrie? Kemba. Kemba for sure. Kemba, not for yeah. I guess it's about eight hundred more. Uh, question number three: Most career three pointers, Kemba or Kyrie? Kemba. Mm, yeah, Kemba. Kyrie has hit over 200, more than 200 more than Kemba in his career. Wow. Yeah. Uh, question four, more three-pointers as a Celtic, Kyrie Irving or Danny Ainge? Wait, Kyrie. Say, say that again? More three-pointers th- as a Celtic, Kyrie Irving or Danny Ainge? Kyrie. Oh, Kyrie, yeah. Danny Ainge had 348 three-pointers in his Celtics career, Kyrie 340. Danny Ainge guessed the, guessed the edge on that one. Uh, last question. More three-pointers in his Celtics career, Danny Ainge or Isaiah Thomas? Isaiah Thomas. Um, I'll, go, I'll go Danny. IT had 460 to, uh, to Ainge's 368. Wow. <laughs> uh, all right. Now that you're, you're nice and warm, B-Rob, take us to, this, to the press conference uh, <laughs> earlier in this week. We're doing this on Saturday afternoon. Uh, Ennis Cantor and Kemba Walker were introduced to the media and I guess all the Celtics fans, uh, what sticks out to you or what, what do you, where do you want to go with that? Can I, can I jump in real quick? Yeah, please. I, I was, I was very interested that like that, that Ennis and, uh, Kemba shared the podium. Yes. I mean, that, that went right from the jump was what really stood out to me. I mean, typically you see, you know, I guess Kyrie shared it with Gordon famously, um, and Chris Humphreys and uh, Keith Bogans, I think, shared the, the podium. <laughs> and Gerald Wallace, Gerald can't Wallace. forget. Um, Marshawn Brooks. Yeah, but it, that kind of stood out to me. Just no disrespect to Ennis at all, but you know, one guy is a All NBA player, multiple time All Star, on a max contract, and the other is on a two year deal, player option, and the second year for the yeah. room exception. I mean, it's it's. It was interesting, and I understand logistically why it was. I I would assume that logistic reasons were why it was done, but the optics were really interesting. I don't know. Did that did that stand out to you guys? A hundred percent. I mean, that was the first. Again, the the press conference was announced early in the week for Kemba, and then it was kind of like Wednesday during the day before it happened. Was oh yeah, Cantor is going to be there too, and it is an interesting decision from the Celtics standpoint clearly he added you know Cantor's personality is being eaten up right now by everyone in Boston for obvious reasons um after the uh Jersey comment and just his you know 
I think he's, he's such a legend. Exactly. Just, you know, he exactly he's been, you know, he whether is, you know, wanting to play in Boston, talking to Evan Turner about what it was like here, but clearly, you know, and then Danny Ainge backed it up with his, you know, our plan A for free agency was Kemba Walker and NS Cantor. And again, that was there was a qualifier for that for like after the draft, i.e. we are assuming Kyrie and Al are gone. But I guess this is just for me, it was like a strategic play from the Celtics standpoint to be like, okay, we know Cantor's going to opt out if he has a good year here, so we need to start buttering him up to uh, to potentially keep him um, at a, on a bargain contract beyond that. Yeah, I think it's interesting. Uh, I don't Mike know if just, it's the right play or not. I don't know if it's going to work. Right, but we'll see. But but it is funny that you know I think like you both kind of touched on is that not only did Cantor sort of, if you want to say, get tacked on to that press conference, but also totally stole the show. I mean, the, probably the top five you know, headlines or things that he said or, or did or that, or, or that sort of thing, or, or that Ainge did. And that's sort of Kemba Walker, right? Like he has a, it's been a career of sort of being overshadowed and overlooked despite producing at a, a ridiculous rate and at a ridiculous level and, and continuing to get better. Um, but yeah. I think I with Kemba though, it's more, I, yeah, I, yeah I, I think with Kemba, it's more I'm willing to see the spotlight. That's kind of his a strength of his and why he's so beloved by every single player he's ever played with, really. And that's, I think, the big attraction to him. But, I mean, I know we're overanalyzing a press conference, but that's what you get when it's, you know, late July right now in the NBA calendar. <laughs> I don't think it's overanalyzing, though. Like, this was, like, they waited. Kemba was under wraps for weeks here. Mm-hmm. They waited three weeks to introduce him. They waited for Summer League to be over, for all distractions to be out of the way. And... Again, I like you said, Mike. It could very much be that they probably they clearly went to Kemba to be like, "Hey, is it cool if we, you know, if Cantor, you know, joins you on stage here?" I wonder and about that. He obviously was down for it, but I, I would assume that was, you know, I don't know if whether it's asked or just like, I assume you would. I mean, if it was me, I would want to clear it with Kemba before doing it. Yeah, I don't know. I guess that's like you know that's something that maybe you would have done with Kyrie, and that's sort of kind of what gets you to the to the trouble of of being at the whim of. But that's not Kemba, anyways. But I, I would right. be very, I would be very comfortable if Celtics say, "Hey, this is how we do it here," you know, and, and respect it. And obviously, you know, it's not like you're bringing in. I don't know. I guess I just don't even worry about it with Kemba, especially with Cantor's personality. And he's he the the, the idea of them, but they're not on the same level, right? I guess that's clear. But uh, so what, what's what's the ceiling for Cantor? Like, is is it totally ridiculous to assume that that he could be one of the better centers in the Eastern Conference this year? Yeah, I mean, what, what other names are there? I mean, like, like is he going to make the All Star team? No, um, he's certainly going. I mean, if he puts up, could numbers, he have his best? He could he have his best year? Could it be his best year? Could he have his best year next season? Um, sure, he's had some pretty good year, and I guess it's like, how do you define a, a good year for him? Because the numbers are always there. The number, right? the, a good, the best year for him is a defense that is like league average or above when he's on the floor. So that's if that's the bar, I. I We'll see. Um, he'll be su- surrounded by a really good system, but he'll have to. He's basically replacing Al Horford in a lot of ways, and that's not, you know, that's not ideal for the Celtics. Um, I don't know. Like, I, it would not surprise me at all if he averaged a double double. He, he should have the minutes, um, and you know, he could be one of the league leaders in offensive rebounding if they let him eat in that regard. Uh, but I don't know. I mean, and, and, and also, I guess, like, three-point shooting, we'll see. Um, you know, I talked to him last summer a lot about three-point shooting, and he was really excited. And then he – I don't even know how many he took last year, but it was like, let's see here. Not much. 34 total, um, 22 with the Knicks. So, yeah, that's not – I don't think that's going to be a ne- necessarily a highlight of his game. He does have touch from the outside, but um, – That I was get- a topic during the pressure, though, Mike. He actually – they he said he's excited about it, and Brad's – Sure. Kind of yeah. Pointed to the. I mean, they will say that now, but that's what press was for. Yeah. Right. Um, we'll see what happens, but no, I, I do think that he is entering the prime of his career. We should see. We should see him be good, and I think we should see him definitely his production exceed the uh, you know the contract, which is which is also important. So here's, you, here's um, a question, real real quick, you're up. He's he's never averaged thirty minutes a game in his career. He had one year at 28. He had one when he was in OKC for like that half season. He averaged 31, but it's mostly been in the 25, 26. Um, 
where, where, like, where his mess this year? Because Al was probably what in the low 30s last year. I'm looking it up right now, but it's got to be right around there. I think he was probably right at 30. Like, I think he honestly might have been below 30, like 29, 30, because they really tried to baby him last year for a lot of it. So um, at 26, 27, do you try to get 30 minutes a game out of Cantor? I think it all comes down to his defense. Um, because I think, I mean, is it safe to say that he's going to start the season at center? Like, he's going to be this. I feel like there's a lot of things in flux with the starting five, but based on this press conference, based on trying to start things off on the right foot, I think it's going to be tough to sell him on, like, a eat-off-the-bench type role out of the gate, even though if that's probably... That may end up being what the best role for him is on this team. Um, do you? How do you guys think they'll hand, handle that? But, yeah, based on that, he'll need to start, and then he'll need to show that, you know, there's there's not a better crunch time five option, which may or may not be out there on this team. He'll start, uh, almost definitely. I, I I would imagine. Um, I don't know if he'll close. Probably not in a lot of scenarios. But um, I think a big thing for him, particularly in the East, is gonna. I mean, like all the really good teams have either bigs who are dominant, i.e. the Sixers, or. Um, you know, teams that can really space you out at every position. So I'm just talking about top tier in the East. So that would be the Bucks, and like both are not really ideal for Cantor on the defensive end. So I, I don't really consider see him closing necessarily. But over thirty, probably not. Um, I guess it, it's a matter of you know how good Robert Williams is, how good Grant Williams is, how good. Uh, Tice's in his what's this his third year with the team? Um, yep. I think Vincent, all, all, all Vincent of Vincent Poirier. Yeah, sure. I was gonna throw his, him out there, but I do not know how to pronounce his name yet. So I'm. I'm gonna By the way, don't don't sleep on him though. I think I think they have some pretty significant plans for him this year. Yeah, they he got more than the minimum. Like they they had to stretch Yabu to sign him. Yeah, I think so he's. That, I think uh, he's he's in the rotation. I believe. Which so is really the, interesting. Well, we'll yeah. see. It hasn't been training camp yet. Like, I, I, I don't know how much of this is settled because there are. I mean, you would think that you'd want like you know Robert Williams and Grant Williams is probably going to play a little bit, little bit at the five maybe, um, in certain matchups. But they have options, which is a good thing. It is, it is fast because I think to your point, Rich. I think he one of one of his quotes, from from, from Vincent was that like I'm not coming over to the NBA to sit on the bench. So clearly, like, I mean, it might just be as simple as, hey, you can beat out these guys for playing time, or, but it's, he's not going to be a happy camper if he does not get, you know, some bench minutes out of the gate, which kind of makes things interesting in terms of lineups, because, I mean, you, you would hope that Robert Williams would play, but right. um, you're not going to have room for four centers to play, obviously, so someone's going to be the odd man out, and... I do kind of wonder from a lineup construction standpoint if, like, you know, they're clearly going to keep... And I actually talked to Brad Stevens a little bit about Grant Williams, and they clearly envision him being more as a four than a five this year, but, like, do they, you know, do they even think about, like, playing Tice at the four a little bit off the bench, too, or something like that at points if Grant Williams doesn't have it going? Because their, their depth there is not... Tice at the four. Whew. I mean, it's it's very <laughs> rare, but, like, I don't know. Like, if he's mobile... he They did that a little two years ago. Um, if they care to play him or not, I don't know. I don't know if they like if, but they have a lot of different options here, and someone's. And if you're only going to play two centers, then you're going to have two unhappy campers on the bench. Yeah, Oof. and two well, two two things. First, I think you know, we have this conversation assuming complete health, right? And as we learned last year and every single year, right. the depth is important because it's it's going to be rare that all four big men are healthy at the same time. That's just the way it goes. Um, the second thing is that I should tell you guys about our sponsor. Uh, it's betonline.ag, and it's the best spot to place your bets for anything you like to bet on. <clears throat> bet on, excuse me. Uh, basketball, football, and baseball. They have darts, tennis, and rugby. Uh, live betting, uh, virtual casino. Uh, as always, there are many prop bets. Uh, the one I'm going to bring up today is the odds to win the Eastern Conference that they just posted. Uh, Milwaukee is the favorites at two to one. Philly is next at three to one, and the Boston Celtics at seven to one or three third right now to win the Eastern Conference. The Nets and, and Raptors are both 8-1 to one under that. But uh, betonline.ag is CLNS Media's preferred sportsbook online. If you want to join the fun and would like to support our podcast, 
Uh, and also, if you'd like a 50% bonus added to your initial deposit, go to CLNS Media backslash winning plays. Uh, the promo code is CLNS50. While making your initial deposit, and your 50% bonus will be added onto your balance within seconds. Uh, it's a minimum deposit of $25 to earn that bonus. Please see Bet Online's general rules and additional terms and conditions. Uh, BetOnline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. And the uh, and Pina, I agree. I'm not sure how to say his name. It's Vincent B. Rob. Will you teach everyone? We need we need Zaren to have a tweet to, to tell everyone how to pronounce. I know his name. he was he was trying to tell us on the press conference, and I missed his uh, <laughs> tutoring session there. So I'm I'm probably getting it wrong too. But it's French, so I'm like Poyer. Like I right. Anyway, I don't know. Bet I mean, online. We'll, we'll call Vincent. <laughs> bet online that Ag does not yet have uh, odds on his his production or playing time, but. I'll, uh, <laughs> I'll bring that if they post it. <laughs> a, a, a quick way to button up this center discussion, which I think is interesting. Guess which center on the Celtics is the highest paid next season? I believe that is Daniel Tice. It is Daniel Tice. Who makes this move. And we should talk, like, making $5 million um, Which is next like year. A l- 250 grand ish more than Cantor. Right. Wow. Um, but the sec- second year is unguaranteed there, which is a nice little trade chip for the Celtics, um, whether it be during this season or next offseason, to get some mid-level salary that is expiring. That, um, that so contract, that. yeah, that contract screams trade tradable. Yeah, yeah. Um, right. Is there any good for him. Good something? for Tice to get some money. Be up. Is there any chance that before the season? Before the season? Sure. Are you still feeling that? Because um, I know, I know, I know, we both felt that a little bit earlier in the summer, and I still haven't. I still think there's a chance. I think if it does happen, Rich, I feel like it'll be a, a preseason trade, like a let's see what all of this looks like, and okay, then kind of re-gauge what our options are um, in terms of what fits, what doesn't, because right now you can't. The problem with right now is, um, which I guess we can kind of lead into a, a Jalen Brown discussion that we wanted to get into, is you only can trade like seven guys on your roster right now. You can't trade any of the new free agents. You can't trade any of the rookies until 30 days. So you could, you'll be able to trade them in late August. But if you're trading anyone, it's Robert Williams, Shemi, or five-year core pieces. Smart, Jalen, Tatum, Hayward, um, I think that's who am I forgetting? And someone else maybe. Smart? Did you say smart? smart. I think it's smart. Yeah. And so, based off of that, the only guy that I feel like you would even explore moving right now would be Jalen. And I don't think, and you'd probably need a lot to do that. So, if you're going to make a move, Rich, I feel like it, it'd be a, it's going to be a major one. And so, I I would lean against it happening at this point. I don't see the incentive to getting rid of that contract before the season, and also. Uh, I, I just think that's valuable in a bigger trade, as you said, B. Rob. And then also, you need two to tango. I don't know what, like, who wants to make trades at this point right now when they just kind of are finalizing their rosters and haven't even gotten to training camp yet. Right, Mike. Are you saying that you would need whatever Jalen's extension would be to, to match money if you're going to bring in someone else big? Uh, no, I'm saying. Well. I'm saying that if you're trading Jalen's contract, it's what six point five, I think. Yep. Um, this year, and I assume that if you're trading Jalen, you are getting back someone who is making a lot more money. So right. you need contracts like Tice um, to ship out alongside it to match money. Unless you're trading for Sabonis. Unless you're trading for Sabonis, but I don't which think they're going to do would that. Would not make a lot of sense in my yeah, opinion. I would agree. Not for straight up. Yeah. You guys don't like Sabonis? I love Sabonis, but it does not make sense. Will you expand I on think that I'd rather... <laughs> I mean, it... Okay, why... I don't know why you would want to... Like, the whole... Kind of the whole point of... Um, trading Jalen is to add someone who is on... Uh, why... why why would I not trade Jalen for Sabonis? I mean, it doesn't make you a better basketball team, first and foremost. I mean, just the it's just a very 
It's just not. I don't. I don't think it really makes sense based on the roster composition of the Celtics right now. Based on you know, Jalen has a lot of value around the league, and if you're going to just kind of blow your wad getting Sabonis in a straight up deal, and then having to re-sign Sabonis to a lot of money going forward, is that core good enough to win a championship? Um, I would say probably not. So that's why I would not trade Jalen for Sabonis this season. Just, straight it, up, it does give you a little less of that repetition we talk about because I, I still worry about Jalen, Jason, and Gordon all being able to be their best selves uh, on the same team. So I think, that, I mean, that's where it could benefit. So Sabonis is what? How old? He's 23, just turned 23. Um, so he's not done getting better as well, you wouldn't think. I don't know. It just seems like like, like that that position, and granted, I don't like the fact that he, that he doesn't shoot threes. Maybe that can change a little bit. But um, that position seems like something the Celtics need a little bit more right now than than another wing. Yeah, but this is the, I mean, look at the NBA right now. Let's let's we should zoom out and kind of not <laughs> talk about Sabonis with this conversation. But just like so, Jalen is uh, eligible for a contract extension right now, and he has seen two players in his class. Um, get maxed out on five-year, $170 million deals, Ben Simmons and Jamal Murray. Hmm. And B-Rob, I'm going to throw this to you. You spoke to Jalen at Summer League in Las Vegas recently. At the Knicks game. And he told you some interesting things. Um, Why don't you just say kind of what his stance was uh, and kind of what your takeaways were after your conversation with him? Yeah, so I, I caught him at towards the end of summer league, um, and he, you know, in the course of our conversation, asked him about whether the Celtics had reached out yet about a contract extension, and he said, you know, no, and you know, kind of the the balls in their court, which is totally understandable to say. It makes complete sense why the Celtics had not reached out to him yet, um, from a standpoint of they have a lot of other things going on right now. And you, they have until October, you know, opening night to discuss an extension. So there's really no rush on their end. Um, from some standpoint, though, like clearly, I mean, I don't know if Jalen feel, you know, is on the. I don't think he's on the same level as Ben Simmons or Jamal Murray, but he's probably seen this not too far below that class. So I do wonder. I mean, what that those conversations are going to go like? Clearly, that market has been set pretty high right now for guys that have not done a ton in their career. Um, have obviously great upside in Simmons, but Murray, like, you know, who's going to have the better career, Murray or Jalen Brown? Like, I don't know. I think this is where it gets very, very fascinating. And if I was Jalen, I would be, I, I like, I would, would be, you be pissed. offended? Yeah, I would, would be pissed. I, I would be pissed, honestly, because Jamal Murray, I, I mean, the Celtics cannot really control what the Denver Nuggets choose to do with their cap space. And, I mean, coming out of the gate on July 1st with a five-year extension when you don't have to for Jamal Murray, a five-year max extension that clogs your cap next year uh, when you would have had cap space, um, is really interesting. And if I was Jalen, like, you know, I'm looking at their career numbers side by side right now. And obviously, Jamal Murray has had more opportunity in his situation. He's had the ball in his hands a lot more. He's had more responsibilities. He, you know, was uh, at times the primary option on a team that went to the second round in the Western Conference last year that finished with a very good record. And they're high on him, and they should have a right to be. But if I was Jalen, I'd be like, look, I'm sacrificing all this. I haven't even been able to show what I can do in significant minutes in a consistent role my team has gone to the playoffs a ton since I've been there. We went to the conference finals. Uh, my usage, look, for, the, for their careers, just a couple of stats that I found interesting. For their careers, uh, Jalen's usage is 20.8. Jamal Murray's is 23.3. Ben Simmons is 22.2. They're all, you know, that's pretty much in the same ballpark a little bit, you know. Uh, Jalen's ability to play make not even close to those two guys uh, you know assist rate is significantly lower but uh, his true shooting is actually higher than Jamal Murray's in his career and his three-point percentage is 
uh, 36.5. Jamal Murray's is 36.2. I think that, you know, you can break those down numbers down and get really in the weeds. Just with say them. you hate Jamal Murray, Mike. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I think that if I was Jalen, I would look at it and be like, I'm like, I am better than Jamal Murray. That is something that he can believe in his head and not be called a crazy person. And for Jamal to get the max and for Jalen not to even have a conversation, um, even though it makes sense for the Celtics not to engage right now, I would be a little turned off if I was him. Do you think, Rich, do you think Danny Ainge just like saw these contracts be given out on July 1st and like threw something against the wall being like, <laughs> what the? I hope not. I hope, he's, I hope he doesn't get too crazy over it. But, um, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I guess so. I, but I, I think the Celtics know that I think they're pretty solid in their evaluation. You know, I think that that's something about this organization. They believe what they believe and they believe it, you know, to the end. They're not going to be jaded by what's going on out, outside of. And sure, maybe it makes Jalen a little bit unhappy. But, you know, if he's not going to take what they're offering, we saw it with with Terry and, and Marcus. Right. I mean, they 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 stood by. And I think in both situations, it worked out pretty well. Just waiting and, and I mean, just, just it's, sticking to their guns, right? It's like for Terry, the season last season didn't even happen. So right, was, but, but like, with the Celtics the as ultimate. well, you know, they didn't they didn't make any concessions that they were right. comfortable with. Like at this point, because they were worried about what would happen. I mean, Marcus Smart, they ended up getting a better deal out of it. Um, but yeah, yeah, I mean, no, I mean, the Celtics haven't like they haven't signed the extension since two thousand nine with Rondo, a rookie right. second period, and that was a, and that was a great deal too. Um, that was $55 million right. <laughs> instead of uh, what we're talking about now. But I, I don't know. I, when I look at Jamal Murray, and I know you say hey, Jalen's the third pick. Murray went down the seven. Um, but to see what he did last year to be the actual full-time starting point guard on the number two seed in the West, I think he's actually super close with Jokic too, isn't he? In I think that way? they might have a really close relationship. Oh, um, okay, gotcha. Which also affects that. But again, that, that that could make it a little bit more frustrating for the Celtics. But either way... I don't know. I, I just I don't see Jalen signing here. I don't see it working out, to be honest. And that's and just I, I that's not based that, on anything beyond you know what I've seen. But sorry, go ahead, Bureau. Yeah, from that standpoint, Rich, just to pick you no know, to piggyback off your point, if the Celtics have to make a decision pretty early in this or by the trade deadline, what they're willing to pay Jalen, because based on the 2020 free agency class. Like a lot of these restricted free agents are maybe not guaranteed to get maxes, but they're gonna get. There's there's not a lot of alternatives to give big money to out there, outside of Anthony Davis and Draymond Green. Like there is not a lot of appealing. I don't even know if there's another max guy out of the veteran unrestricted free agents in that pool. So Inari, you're not maxing the rooster. I mean, right? Like <laughs> maybe on like a one year, thirty million dollar, like something if he has a good year, but like probably not. So based off of that, Mike, I feel like you have to. Figure out if you're willing to, you know, if if Jalen gets an Otto Porter Jr. type offer, figure out if he's doing, you know, you count on him enough to, to match that. And if not, then you're going to have to to move him. I guess you can move him like in a Malcolm Brogdon type situation with the Bucks and the Pacers did and get, you know, get some picks for him anyway. But like you might just have to be proactive and move him ahead of the deadline if on that front if you don't aren't willing to pay what he's could, could conceivably get offered. So I think that the next question then is, you know, what are you going to trade Jalen for? What does it make sense to trade Jalen for? And I think the two options in my eyes are, uh, you know, someone like Bradley Beal in a package where you take Jalen and you take other money and you throw in draft picks potentially and you just, you, you, you get jason tatum's like best friend who is also mm-hmm. going to be a perennial or you know it, it is basically a perennial all-star probably should have been all nba last season um and that's kind of your team going forward and it's a really good team i think uh a really really interesting team um or you go the other way and you push the you kind of kick the can down the road a little bit and you move Jalen for someone who was drafted in the 2018 draft or the 2019 draft or the, maybe even the 2017 draft and i don't really know who exactly that player is right now you know off the top of my head like would the 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 kings want to move marvin bagley would the would the bulls want to move wendell carter like that's those are the types of trades i think that the celtics should be sniffing around 
if they want to move Jalen and if it's not working out with him. But, I mean, personally, I'm still really high on Jalen. I still think he's really good. I still think he has all-star potential. And I would try my darndest to keep him around for his prime because I don't think we've seen what he can be. And I kind of disagree a little bit with what you said, Rich, about him, Tatum, and Hayward, uh, who is not really that much of a factor in my eyes uh, in this discussion, uh, coexisting with each other. Because I just think, like, in today's league, if you like, this is what it is. These are wings who can do stuff with the ball in their hands, who can guard multiple positions. This is what you need in the league right now to win it all. So uh, I think that the, there's, the, the Celtics should value Jalen. I'm not saying that they should max him out right now, because that would make no sense. But I think he's really damn good, and this is a big year for him. Yeah, I was. I was what would you offer him right now, Rich? Well, I was going to say I'm glad you added that last part, Pina, because you know, you you're, you said you know Bagley and, and Carter, who where were they were top, those are like top three picks, right? Where was Carter taken? Was he like four or five? He was he was seventh. Seventh. All right. So we're talking about like high picks. I'm because I'm looking at like Zach Collins, in uh, in Portland, <laughs> and wondering like someone like that, you find something with the, with the Trailblazers to make it work, um, because you know because I agree with what you said about like you needing that sort of setup for to win in the NBA today, you know, like a you know, depth on the wing or just a lot of athletes so that can, you said, guard multiple positions. But when we're talking about Jalen, what like he's looking for, he's still the fourth option, right? I mean, Kemba, Hayward, and Tatum. And I know it's not the hierarchy isn't so obvious, right? It's not like, you know, they're going to look to them every single time. And then if Jalen's open, they do it. But like, that is sort of the pecking order right now. So and uh, he's still not going to get that Marcus, that, that Jamal Murray uh, opportunity. I don't believe. And that's where it gets kind of stuck. Like, yeah, he, I, don't, I, I, I don't think he's going to get a chance to show that he is the Bagley. Or, I mean, Carter didn't get a chance to play that much last year, but he was great when he did. I don't know. I don't know if he, if he gets to show that he's on that level, potential-wise. Yeah. I mean, what he has shown is that he can play in the playoffs and be productive and be... Um, really validate his minutes and his playing time against top tier competition uh, on a consistent basis. So, I mean, particularly two postseasons ago. Um, so I, I think he has a ton of value. I really do. And uh, there are a little, there are warts in his game and we picked on them a little bit uh, throughout the pod last season. But I mean, we, it's like he's so young and the, the, there are parts of his game that should be developing as he ages and I don't know I mean B-Rob what, what what do you think about the Beal versus we'll just call it Beal versus Bagley and, and, and like just for the sake of shorthand um, sounds like a title yeah <laughs> what uh, a very confusing one <laughs> what what, uh, what what route would you be more focused on if you were the Celtics I mean, I think you made a decision to some degree by signing Kemba. Like, if you were going to... I I think both options are very valid, Mike, but, like, when you just signed a 29-year-old Max guy, then the wheels are in motion for, like, you to do something in the next couple of years here, unless you're content to be, like, Miller, because you're clearly not going to, you know... You're not moving Kemba anytime soon, and his window is in the next four years of his prime here. So I'd be more content to go Beal, but it, it, there's no guarantee Beal's available. So, like, I just don't think Jalen, like, you'd have to put a lot of sweetener with Jalen, I feel like, to get a guy like Bagley, who still has a couple years left on a rookie deal, um, unless Jalen has a huge breakout. And, but even then, like, some team's going to have to pay him. So his, you know, value from an asset standpoint is, you know, dwindling by the day. In a vacuum, yes. I still I think a team around the league, some team around the league, would look at Jalen and be like, "Oh, we'll like we'll pay we'll we're happy to pay him whatever we're happy to match whatever offer sheet he gets uh, next summer. Like bring him aboard, but we love it." Um, right, but you're not going to pay a premium for that guy when you can just be like, "Okay, Celtics, you don't want to pay him next summer. We'll just give him a big offer sheet then and take him from you then." Like, what if the Suns? Well, okay, that's yeah. I, I don't know if that's like a great strategy to get a player, but or just oh, we'll give you a first like what they did with the Pacers did with Brogdon. Like we'll give you a first round pick next summer <laughs> to like sweeten it up for you to like take your second best player from you. Yeah. Um, what if like what if the what if the Suns 
called, and you know they want Jalen because they just traded Josh Jackson for peanuts, uh, and they were like, <laughs> they gave away Josh. Jackson. They, <laughs> they gave away Josh Jackson. Yeah, what are they? They had to pay to get rid of him. Yeah, that was, that was really bad. Um, but let's say they, they're like, hey, um, we'll give you like Mikael Bridges and something else, and you're like. Like, so a move like that is basically, you know, Mikhail Bridges coming off a rookie year, which he was so-so in a lot of areas, but his game and his ceiling kind of fits more what we talked about in terms of a natural complement, a natural complementary piece for those other guys. Yeah. And then maybe you get another trade asset for that eventual, because the way I look at it is if you were to trade down or trade back for, like Jalen for someone who's even younger and who's earlier in their rookie scale deal... I guess the purpose of doing that is to increase your trade assets and make them more valuable for that real type of trade. So when you said, you know, like you're on the Kemba timeline right now, I don't disagree. But I do think that getting someone like that who's a more appealing trade asset around the league and kind of if you know you're not going to spend money on Jalen, you don't lose him for nothing. you got to trade him. And these are the types of players that it makes sense to trade him for. And Pina, yeah, I agree. That, I like that kind of an offer. So, Pina, that also gets to what you were saying off off the episode about the, the summer of 2021. Mm, yes. If you'd like to go there. Sure. I mean, uh, I, I think the summer of 20, 2021, I mean, we just came off the most insane uh, summer in terms of free agency and trades and this and that and player movement uh, that the NBA has ever seen. And I think in 2021, if you just look at the free agents who are available conceivably, um, it is going to be, I think, even more insane, honestly, than what we just saw. And you have players like, I mean, Kawhi is going to be a free agent, Paul George is going, or can be a free agent, Paul George, LeBron, Giannis, like, uh, it's going to be, it's going to be mad. And then you you (laughs) factor in, you know, players who are under contract as we've seen no matter basically no matter how many years are on their deal are conceivably available so you how bad the deal is (laughs) sure and you have so you're gonna have you know if carl towns is still where he is he's only gonna have x amount of years if he's unhappy and the timberwolves haven't made the playoffs over the past couple years you know he'll probably be demanding a trade you'll have him available it's just like a lot of things so you want to have that flexibility in terms of cap space which is why if the celtics are not convinced that jalen can be an all-star signing him to a big contract really hurts your flexibility because you're also going to have to re-sign tatum pretty soon Um, and he's an instant max i think unless something terrible happens so uh, right now, the Celtics have a pretty good cap sheet for that summer because Gordon Hayward is going to be off the books. Um, so I think, you know, really prioritizing that flexibility is, I think it's critical. And I think that the Celtics certainly have their eyes on that summer more so than the next. Yeah, and that makes sense. And I guess that's part of the reason why the team didn't resign Al Horford um, this past summer. Even though I do want to get into this briefly, um, did you guys see the the Brian Windhorst report about the Celtics being miffed about the Sixers tampering with Horford? Yes, uh, I, I, I break, break it. it down for us real quick. Yeah, so pretty much, I mean, he didn't go into details really, but um, the the long and the short of it would be, you know, Horford opted out of his thirty million dollar option in mid June, and later that day, according to various reports told the Sixer told the Celtics his agents like hey you know Kenrich broke off negotiations which was signaling that hey I'm going somewhere else and I know there's the money I want it's out there for me and a lot of people have been pointing out hey like the Celtics did this too of Kemba Walker and yeah tampering's part of the NBA all true however I do think this Horford situation the Celtics do have a a legitimate bone to pick beyond general tampering because the the max guys you know you can tamper with whatever but they know what their market is like you know when Kemba Walker hears that the Mavericks or the Celtics have interest in him of course he's going to get the max there's no real like it's just like signaling right hey we're going to give you what you want with Horford this is this was more than that this was like giving the Sixers the window to negotiate 
three weeks before they could have. And that, honestly, I think helped them get all their ducks in a row to make all these subsequent moves, i.e. trading Jimmy Butler for Josh Richardson, which, in effect, opened up the cap room to sign Horford all on that first night within, like, three hours of free agency. So this, like, the fact that if the Celtics had a, you know, a window, exclusive window to negotiate with Horford and could have signaled earlier that, hey, we're going to probably get Kemba here, I think they get a better chance of keeping him at a number that's more appetizing to them. But since Horford was sold on the big money deal from Philly two weeks before free agency even started, there was no going back there, it seemed like. And I think the, the Celtics have a legitimate gripe there. I think, and I, I think I said this already on the pod, but I mean, I think that if I think Horford just wanted to play with Embiid personally and, uh, you know, playing in his head, playing the four on a permanent basis, which, you know, I don't think that that's going to happen. But right. um, wait till Embiid gets hurt the second week. No, I mean, <laughs> it, that's, yeah, that's certainly a, a risk, but like, I, I, I think that. I just don't know how much, like, obviously, the Sixers and Horford were talking for a while. They already knew that Jimmy Butler wanted out, so... Yeah, it was all done, like, it was done mid-June, it seemed like. Yeah, so, I mean, I just, I I agree that I don't think it's the exact same thing as the Celtics also talking. I don't think they're hypocrites for talking to Kemba, when, like, clearly Kemba already had discussions with the hornets and the hornets were like this is what we're gonna pay you right so like at that point it's not like the celtics stole kemba from the hornets like that's not it so it's not the same it's not the exact same situation because i I see people say oh the celtics tampered with blah 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 i don't necessarily see that as the exact same action but i also am kind of like I, I just can't get too upset about tampering right now in the NBA. It's clear that everyone does it um, at all times. I mean, like, Paul George's trade demand because Kawhi recruited him despite having two more years left in his deal. Like, I mean, what are we even doing here? Like, <laughs> how can we even be that upset, to be honest? And when I, when I read Al's... Yeah, like, I mean, I... I'll, I'll say real quick. Go when ahead. I read Al's, like, farewell uh, Instagram post to Boston... You know, see, I'll read the first four lines. Uh, you welcomed me with open arms three years ago. We had a goal to raise another banner in the rafters. We fell short of that goal. I appreciate everyone in Boston. I think it can, comes down to that. I think he's a guy who wants to win a title. And I don't think he saw Boston as even with, with Kemba. I think with that, when Kyrie left, or for other reasons that we just don't know about yet, maybe it has to do with some of the younger guys. Who knows? But I don't think that he thought that Boston was a place that he could win a title anymore, and he thought that Philly gave him a better chance. Obviously, Philly's also given him a bunch of money. But I really feel like the win- the chance to win, and that's part of playing with Embiid, right? Just that he's, you know, has a chance to be the best center in the league for the next five player. years. Player, he has a chance to be the best player. in the Sure, league. yeah, that that's fair. That's the next player, best player in the league for, like I say, for the next five, six, seven years. I don't know if he can last that long, but at least for the next three years. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think it was about winning. I do. I think, that, I think the money was negligible at the at this at the point that Al was making the decision. I think it would have they would have had to pay they would have had to overpay to keep him and at that point you don't do that. And I don't even know if they had that option to be honest and like it all kind of worked out for the way it worked out. Um but and, you don't I mean, do you don't think the Celtics with him have a better chance of getting out of the East than the current Sixers? No, I do, but I just don't know. Well, hmm. I don't know, by the way. No, I actually, I got to, I, I didn't hear that. I didn't process the last part of your statement. So you're saying the, the Sixers with, I guess. As uh, constructed. As constructed without Horford. I mean, the thing is, like, what other player would they have been able to get once they knew that Jimmy wasn't. Like, what would their move have been at that point? I don't or, but know. how about this? Um, Who's the, which is the better team? Marcus like, Morris. Which, which is which is the better team? The the Sixers with Al or the Celtics with Al? Um, I think it's the Sixers. I think but I'm not the, sure. I, no, I think it's the Sixers. They have the best player by a like a, a, a significant margin. See, I I think it's the Celtics with Al. Like, Al is still Embiid kryptonite. Like. <laughs> 
Is at he? Some point. Dude, we saw that with LeBron. Is, we saw look, that with LeBron in the big three in the Celtics big three. At some point, everyone overcomes their their kryptonite. That's the way the NBA works. But when did he do that this year? But like, uh, but I'm saying it's going to happen. It happens eventually. You know, as as the as one no, goes well, down well, and the other goes up, they they eventually cross paths. You know, and change roles. Yeah, I I, I, I yeah, I hundred percent agree with that. And we saw in the. Uh, in the second round of the playoffs, like, oh, Al Horford can guard Giannis. No, actually, he can't. Well, he couldn't do that last year either because they had to put Ojale on. Like, I feel like Al, like Giannis and Embiid's just two different animals. And Al has a much, and Al, like, can take advantage of Embiid on offense, which he can't really do with Giannis. So, like, I don't know. Like, I guess I, I would have been eager to see this group with Kemba taking the role of Kyrie and a clean slate, and Terry out of here, and <laughs> Marcus Morris for his presses and minuses out of here. No, I'm serious. Just like, all right, guys, like, we're running it back. We got a point guard here that everyone doesn't hate. Um, we're getting out the guy who thinks he's better than everyone else after two strong postseason months, and um, and we have a clear path to the Eastern Conference Finals in the East and a chance for some redemption here. I would have been – I understand why, again – the Celtics, this is why they made a run at him again once they got Kemba, like, which Danny Ainge admitted um, on Wednesday. So, like, you can say plan A is Cantor and Kemba all you want, but, I, I mean, secretly, plan A was really Kemba and convince Al to come back, I think. No, of course, I, I'm not, yeah, I don't dispute that, but I, I just think that the Sixers with Al are better because Joel Embiid and Al in a front court is something that I don't think anyone can really fuck with at all. So we're going to see how that develops. And obviously they still need shooting and they missed out on Kyle Korver. We learned right before we rec- started recording, which I think is a, is a pretty significant blow. I'd uh, say so. Um, yeah, uh, yeah. Um, but so that, I mean, that's just my point. My point is just that I think that the Sixers with Horford are better than like versus each other is not the same as just the better team. Also is Al going to be able to guard stretch force though? That's what I worry about. Like they're they're talking about playing those guys four and five. Like that. I, mean, I don't know what teams in the East can give them big problems on that front, but I'll be very curious to see how that ages. Yeah, I could see that being an, an issue. And I'll also say it's possible that the 76ers could win the NBA title next year, and it was still the right decision for the Celtics not to sign out. You know, like those two things can be true. But it wasn't. The, it wasn't the Celtics' decision. Right, but I'm just saying that, like, point, right? But yeah, saying, what like, it seems like right. But he could help the Sixers. You're saying that they would, would benefit anyway long term? With the Celtics? Right. Well, I, I guess like what you're saying it was the right decision by the Celtics, even if the Sixers won it all. So I'm not just, saying that that's necessarily true. I'm saying it's possible for that to be true. I mean, we'll see how, how things turn out. Yeah. You know? But it could just be that, like, like I said earlier, and this is what Al was seeing, that the Sixers are just closer to a title or – he is in a better position to win a title with with Philly than he than he was in Boston. And I think that's a fair assumption on his part. Yeah, I agree. All right, let's. Uh, we've managed to go this whole podcast not talking about Kyrie. Um, cool. But I want to throw it in here for five minutes for Mike because I know I he did, really wanted to I talk about it. I did ask a few Kyrie trivia um, questions at the start. That's true. That's true. We did start. Um, to summarize the the highlights of or the the notable nuggets of the last week we had Danny Ainge setting saying he heard and you know he had a sense in March or April that Kyrie was considering going elsewhere uh we had Spencer Dinwiddie on I think the athletic podcast with Sham saying that Kyrie was talking about New York in in December which is when Spencer signed his extension exactly when he signed his extension um for next year um, and then Danny made some references about, you know, the, well, again, what we all saw, the Kyrie's high and lows throughout the year being like, you know, things were looking bad for early on. And then the team won 12 out of 13 heading into the all-star break and the relationship with Brad was getting better there. I thought that was a noteworthy comment. And then obviously things took a nosedive in February and we're pretty much the rest of the regular season, to be honest. Um, but yeah, just I don't know if you guys have any impressions on any of those comments. Again, it seems like the Celtics, Danny, to his credit, like tried to deflect 
the brunt of the blame from Kyrie here, I feel like, which is a good look for the Celtics from a, you know, not throwing dirt on the guy going out the door. Um, but I don't know. I think there was a lot there to digest. I'll, I'll say for me, as a speaking from like a Celtics fan perspective or just like a whatever, uh, it brought me a little bit of closure, I think. Because for me, the, hard, the hardest thing to, to grapple with was just that performance in the playoffs, right? I didn't understand what was going on because clearly something was up with Kyrie. And sort of this shed some light. So when he, when he had the press conference in the playoffs, I forget which Milwaukee game it was, and someone asked him about his, perform, his performance and what was he said, who cares, right? I just think he was checked out. I don't think he yeah. cared what how that— for? I don't think he really cared how that season played out. I think he knew that they weren't going to win a title. And he had, he was checked out. I think it was that easy. He was already in, he was already in Brooklyn when the Celtics were playing the Bucks. Wow, I one hundred percent agree. I mean, there's really no other way to explain it and or like rationalize that play because it was so bad. It was so bad. <laughs> Did he just want it to end, Mike? Did he literally just want it to end, like to pick up Giannis and stuff on defense and just be like, you know what? Let's just hit fast forward. <laughs> I don't know what exactly was going on in his mind, or he just didn't, like, he just didn't care. That's the answer. I, he didn't care. Yeah, or the based on the way he was playing, it was like, I'm just gonna do what I want to do, and if we win, I look like a hero, and if we lose, we weren't supposed to win anyway, and we can't win anyway, and that was probably his mentality, I think, and that's what he allowed him to sleep well at night. But, um, I mean, personally, my whole thing was. Kyrie and my whole thing with um, the Celtics talking about him still is it's 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 obviously big news when you get spurned by a free agent who switches teams and you kind of have to do a little bit of soul searching normally about you know why did this guy leave and what could we have done better and I'm sure that the Celtics a lot of people some people maybe have asked themselves that question and others have been resigned to knowing that no matter what we would have done, this person is just a very uh, mercurial figure and there is literally no behavior on our part that could have changed his mind and changed his belief system. Um, I, I, uh, I mean, look, it's, it's just, I'm just weirded out honestly at this point by the whole, um, comparison of Kemba with Kyrie in terms of their 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 vibe and how they interact with other people and I'm just not looking forward to this <laughs> transpiring for the whole season. I think it's a disservice to both guys in a lot of ways and really? like everyone why, why is it a disservice? Why does I just don't think that things need to be said. Like we can all look at them and see, okay, this person is a natural born leader. This person says he's a natural born leader. We don't need to beat a dead horse talking about it necessarily. And like I, I don't know. Every everything I see on Twitter with people who are covering the Celtics, um, some people who cover the Celtics is, you know, talking about, oh, it's different now because XYZ it's like Okay, cool. I mean, does who cares? I, I just I don't it's know. not stopping though. It's it's like not affecting my. It's not affect. It's not stopping. I agree, and it's really annoying. It's like it's not <laughs> affecting my personal day to day. I never had to interact with Kyrie Irving, so uh, I just if don't it, care. If it ever st- well, so you are. It's like Kyrie. You are like Kyrie. <laughs> exactly. exactly. Guilty. But if it, if it ever does start to affect your everyday life, well, let's get it on the podcast and talk about it. He It'll is be. in Brooklyn now, so right. You're gonna get yeah. We'll see. Uh, it is, I don't know, like, I, I, I'm just more, you know, last year was such a roller coaster ride for the team, and, you know, we we talked a lot in those podcasts about how, you know, the regular season didn't, didn't matter, but obviously, like... It ultimately Ky- didn't. <laughs> I, it's, but, well, I mean, I don't know, Kyrie, you don't think of a good season that he doesn't stay, or that Durant it, doesn't come to it, Boston instead of setting up shop in, in Brooklyn. I think... I think that's very much could have happened. If you don't allow something to be good in life, then it won't be good. So if he's not going to allow something, his experience in Boston to be good, which he clearly wasn't, I mean, that that it seems to me that that was, he just didn't want to be in Boston. So for a variety of reasons, I don't think there was one particular reason. And What about the commercial and the statement they'll make? I, I don't know the background. They're like, about I mean, that. come on. I mean, no, like, that, that's selling. That's selling shoes. Something though. changed. Something yeah, exactly. changed. No, exactly. It's like you're reading into a Nike ad. Come on. 
I mean, no, but, like, but also, I don't know. Like, but, but divorce happens. Like, there's a divorce is every second in this country. That's what happens. People fall in love and they lie to each other, and then sometimes you figure out like that's not right, and you, and you and you walk away. I think but, I think it's very and, and they get wrapped up. They post on Instagram. That was basically an Instagram post of of Kyrie and his new girlfriend telling everyone how happy he was. You know, and then uh, two months later, he realized, okay, maybe this isn't what I thought it was. Yeah, and that's his. Uh, it's ultimately his right. I don't think that he behaved professionally in a lot of ways. Um, I also think that you know he made his decision, and you got to move on. You just you got to move on, and you can't like it's 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 it, it is the spurned girlfriend uh, or boyfriend type of thing, and I just partner. Let's cut, let's say. Sure. Um, and I don't, uh, it's just, it's not a good look for anyone when you keep talking about it. And I hope that people stop talking about it. It's just, it's, you don't look good when you do it, is what I'll say. When's the first Nets Celtics preseason game, B-Row? To be announced. <laughs> That's going to be Yeah, it. I mean, it's, it's going to be, I mean, opening night, Christmas Day, will be interesting to see where that falls on the calendar. Um, Who is? Yeah, Rick I don't know, like, it is, it's, no, go ahead, Peter. I'm sorry. No, no, I mean, I was just going to be like, yeah, like looking back, just dissecting the whole end of the season and like, you know, Kyrie clearly checking out and, you know, Brad still playing him through everything despite that fact of like, you know, just everything that went in there. And because Brad was like, oh, maybe I can't take him out because then he's definitely going to leave. You know, just, just the, how it was just so brutal for the Celtics from that standpoint. And whether, you know, you said, oh, this was like an Instagram post or whatever that he made a commercial and was telling Danny that, you know, started hinting in March and April that he was looking elsewhere. To, like, this is a, a decision that could set back the franchise for several years. Like, so I think, like, but which it does decision? need to be looked at because it's going to Kyrie leaving. Right. But this sort of thing, like if if. If you're trying to make something work, that isn't right, right? If if he if he said okay, like maybe maybe I'll, maybe I'll stay, I'll give it one more chance, and then you and then you build everything, and then he realizes nothing's different. Oh, it's totally still the same. You know, then then it's the greatest thing that ever happened. So like it, it, it can go either way, and I think and and I'll say one thing about you know what you said, Pina, about I, I agree that it's tired, sort of the conversation over it because there is more to it, but I don't think you can, we can understate how much Kyrie's mood affected last year's team and how much. Kemba's might do the the opposite this year. I think that that is a real thing. But again, if you beat it into the ground too much, it kind of starts to lose meaning. Yeah. That's maybe part of the problem. I guess my general outlook on a lot of things is like you do learn from your past, but also like the past of the past. Like let's let's just move on. That's basically my stance here. Sure. And then when when the when the Nets come to to Boston, everyone can can let out their demons. Do you and, think uh, he's gonna get? How do you how do you, do you think the crowd is going to cheer Kyrie when he comes to Boston? <laughs> Are you serious? Do you think? Uh, uh, it's do you not think one he, of those. Do you think he plays? No, it'll be it'll be a sore quad <laughs> and a um, a personal issue for his first two appearances in Boston. B Rob, um, did he miss every Cleveland game with the Celtics? Except except in- for opening, except for the opening night when when Gordon got hurt, he didn't play oh, in Cleveland wow. again. So he'll play overnight. He'll play the opening night game if it's in Boston. The Celtics should be prior requesting that. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is—it's a situation where he's—you know—I I can't imagine any other player in Boston sports history will be booed as loud as Kyrie Irving will be booed. Um, Boston sports history. I was—I yeah. was thinking that. I'll put, I was, it, I'll put it. Like who? Who yeah. else? No, in my head, I was just going through the list, and it's just Roger Clemens. Like eh, yeah, maybe Roger. That's, a, that's probably the that's only a, other guy. But even that, that's yeah, he's one. probably on that par. Do you guys remember? First of all, I mean, come on, there was a Rod. Like the, the, the no, but a Rod never played for the rest. A Rod didn't. A Rod didn't play here. A Rod didn't play here, and then okay, leave. that's say that's he was going to stay here and leave. Hamels. So I was thinking, I was thinking about Johnny Damon. Damon, because like, but, yeah, but a, but Damon, I think was the sort of thing where that was more media generated and i think obviously a lot of fans were upset too but i think like the true like diehard red sox fans respected what J- damon did and understood him chasing the money and whatever I and mean, they weren't happy about it but at the end of the day you can applaud what he did for the team while he was here i just don't think that vibe exists with Kyrie, just because of the nature of how he left like D- johnny damon was always playing hard when he was actually on the field for the red sox 
and and for for a guy to anyone really just just check out on the Celtics when it matters most after saying everything he had. That's a, I I agree with you, B Rob. I don't know if it's like the 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 biggest booze ever, but he's not getting even a smattering of applause. No, I was kidding. <laughs> um, oh, I, I'm, yeah, trying think of, uh, I'm trying to think of. I'm trying to think of. I'm trying to think of there any were there any patriots who left no, like because no no one has done this before. Well, wait, wait, wait. Um, Drew Bledsoe, Bills. No, I mean he it got wasn't traded. really his. Yeah, it wasn't really his call. He was traded. People loved it. Was people were fifty fifty of like keeping Drew versus Thomas. No, you're not fifty fifty, but like no, there I were remember. a lot of Bledsoe guys. No, I remember. Yeah. I think Clemens. I think you nailed him, Mike. I think Clemens is the the one comparison yeah. that will be made. In terms Didn't of win that. a ring and basically quit on the team. Right. Um, so I mean, cool. we'll, you gonna write that we'll column, Europe? That's the column. That, I mean, that might be a good August fodder right there. Is what that is. Um, and the, the lead is about you now. Roger names all, right. all his kids with a K at the first the first letter. So his new son is Kyrie. No, okay. Wow. We'll put that. We'll, we'll, we'll keep that on the uh, on the shelf for now. We'll put a bow on it right there. That that's a the perfect place to to end here. Um, that'll do it. For now, we'll be back. We have we're already brainstorming some great uh, down days of July and August ideas for the Winning Plays podcast in terms of going over win over under for win totals for looking long term into potential Celtics targets down the line in free agency. Um, getting more into Jalen's situation, we'll have that all coming for you guys in the coming weeks here. Thanks for listening in the meantime, and should we? do we have to end this on an up note? I feel like that was a down note on the Kyrie stuff, so I don't okay, know if you guys want to. we should say... Um, taco back. Fall! Yeah, yeah taco. Taco. Sign Taco! <laughs> Sign Taco. Just talk about Taco so we can put him in the title for the SEO. <laughs> done and done. <laughs>